Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please welcome Bill Olson. Bill is currently the Director of Safety and Employee Development for a civil construction company that he has been with for 19 years. He has a Master's in Occupational Health and Safety, Risk Control, and has been in construction and manufacturing safety for over 24 years. Before safety, he got his bachelor's degree in health promotion human development, which focuses on preventative medicine counseling. In 2006, Bill started working with employee development beyond the counseling techniques he was using in the safety position and continues with today. Hi, Bill. How are you doing again today? Doing good, Ted. Hey, thanks for being on uh, Ted Speaks Again, uh, part two of our conversation. Looking forward to uh, getting more in-depth. And, and today we're going to focus a little bit more on the communication side of safety and just of organizational. So, Bill, kind of give me your uh, impressions of communication, the importance of communication. What, what what are your thoughts on if communication is delivered, how it's delivered correctly? There's a lot in that one little question today. Yeah, there's, that's a big I, one. I, I slept good that's today. A, that's a huge one. <laughs> that's a, a five-day seminar. But yeah, we'll wrap it into a little mm-hmm. podcast. Podcast segment. <laughs> well, what I've come to realize working especially with different companies and different people in different companies is people try to separate communication out in a company, right? As as a problem or as a topic. They try to silo it a little bit. But if you really, really think about it, it's that uh, let's say you're just making your widgets, right? Everything that a company does, absolutely everything, is nothing but communication from the start all the way up until the person that they have hired picks up that hammer and swings at something on an anvil and makes that widget. All we do is communication. It's not a separate thing. It literally is everything. Every single form, every single piece of paper that is filled out beforehand is a way of communicating to getting the right resources in the right place to eventually get the right anvil, the right material, the right hammer, and the right person all together at once to create whatever it is you want to create. So when people basically try to single out communication, they take its power away and they don't really look at the communication is actually every process you have in a company that's non-physical in nature for actually making your product. Yeah. When you look at it that way, you're right. Like every step has to have some communication, whether it's verbal or written. And I think we just take that for granted. And one of the questions we were going to ask you is like, do you have a specific or a favorite communication style? But even when I ask that, I think you may, but really there's probably a lot that we have to utilize, not just one. Would you say you just have to kind of you have to know your audience in your situation, of course. Yeah. I love that. Know your audience for sure. You know, and one of the biggest things that people don't ever really try to do, because it took me a little bit, and I've only been doing it recently, maybe the last year or so, is when I look at a system, because 
realizing that everything above at a certain point all the way down is nothing but communication of ideas because communication isn't about talking it's not about repeating right and that's the whole thing you used to teach people i'm gonna say something and you have to repeat it well i can teach a parrot to do that it doesn't mean (laughs) communication really means that whatever's in my head is the same thing that's in your head roughly because there's always a perception change right but our, our ideas are the same now do you can do that in different ways absolutely you can do it through any media you can do it through physical action through talking there's all sorts of communication and it's the concept of the, of the idea exchange is what it really has to focus on so if you look at communication that way and then take what you have in your in your company or your group or whatever it is and try to map it out really it's like when you get an idea how what's your communication chain and who really gets to know how many people in your group really understand and then get that gets that information or is it like well you know i get this and i tell this person well then i assume this person is going to tell these people but really can't you just tell them all if you can just get it done right away and communication is not about about just chain of command it's about it's about shortening people's learning curve the faster i can get somebody information through proper good of communication they can and they can do whatever they need to do. They can act faster. Now, as far as doing that, all of them, all of them are equal in my mind on styles of communication because it depends on whatever the topic is, subject, and your, your resources around you. Well, it's kind of also like, you know, the, the telephone game, right? I was just going to say that. Well, see, I beat yeah. you on that one. Right? We think alike. Well, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, the telephone game, right? You have one person take it. Oh, okay. I got this. And by the time you get to the end, what happens? It is completely a different story than when we originally started. So I think like you saying that one doing it all at once is probably a much better way of doing that because stories change. It's kind of like eyewitnesses to incidents or, or stuff like that too. Yeah. You know, and especially with eyewitnesses and things like that. I mean, whenever you have an incident, it's, it's a really, you have to remind people that they only need to put down what exactly they saw, what they heard, what they smelled, right. nothing more. Don't fill in the story. Don't tell me what you think. Only what you absolutely know. So because hard to do sometimes. Wants, it is. Everybody wants to be the storyteller. Everybody wants to, you know, there, there's, there's three main things that every person wants, you know, and it's, and then that goes back to just basic human instinct, right? But if you pull that through and look at it for everything you do, it all makes sense. You know, people want to survive, you know, people want to know their place in the world and people want to feel value. Every time we see something, we want to feel value because we want to be able to understand it so we can tell somebody else. Right. So we want to be able to understand it so we can survive. And we take those three values. And if you push those through, and honestly, it's a marketing thing. Ted and, Ted and I have actually talked about that in the past. Those three items are what marketing people do. Marketing people are phenomenal behavior change people. Look at how they actually communicate. They can do it verbally. They can do it physically. They can do it you know, visually. Whatever. And people don't, marketing people really don't think of it themselves that way. They think of it as marketing. And then psychologists don't really think of that themselves. But you know what? If I see a pair of golden arches, marketing people have taught me exactly what to think about. Mm-hmm. I have a question getting back to like the telephone game where if you tell each individual separately, sometimes the translation gets lost. So if you can to tell the message all at once to whoever your audience is, sometimes I feel like number one, that's tricky. And number two, I go back to a teacher teaching a classroom of kids that are very different. All of those kids we know are very different. Their learning styles are different. The teacher only has one hour to do it a certain way. So how do you know what the best way to do it is when you're targeting an audience and you can't be individual specific? Is it trial and error? Multi. It's multi-communication all at the same time. Okay. So okay. So here, a good example of that is we 
company I worked with had some some training due, right? So they brought in third-party trainers. And they didn't really tell everybody about it, but they called certain people in. It was an all-day training. Phenomenal training. The trainers did a great job. You know, everybody walked away saying, oh, yeah, you know, I learned this, I learned this, and this was all great. Well, your average retention rate for even college students is only 12 to 15 percent when they're listening and actually want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And most of the time, it's the last 12 to 15 percent. You know, it's not the it's not the first unless it's heavily impacting. All these people that they had walked away from this class and the next day, all they had was that feel good idea of what they actually did. And when we really looked at what they were doing in the field, they were actually doing the same things they always did, even though they just got taught this. Or they may change just one little thing, even though there's 10 different things that they were doing not properly. So on something like that, it's a flood of multi. So you do want to get their attention because you want to gain their interest. They have to want to do it. You can't ever make anybody do anything they don't want to do. True. They have a choice. So once you get that, then you give them the information verbally because you want to keep them you know, interested in the topic. But then then have a takeaway that they can is written down that they can reference back. Have a person that they can call so they can ask questions for it. You know, some people will go very well by, by visually and by pictures, and other people actually need to read the instructions first, then watch them. Have them have it all there for them. I mean, we can you can have a pretty good set of instructions, but yet you still have IKEA furniture with one shelf upside down. <laughs> Yeah. So have a good kind of set of resources. And I like the way you said it, kind of have multiple communications, whether it's written, verbal, visual, just kind of throw it all at them in a organized manner. It has to be in stages in order to actually start taking that information and pushing it into your long-term memory, even your short-term. One other thing, I know we're running a little short on time here, but before when we were talking about teaching and learning and communication, you said really communicating is, I think, something about like shortening people's learning curve. I think you said like that's our goal, right? And that really hit home because I tend to, let's say, so I'm a mom, so I relate a lot of this back to our kids. Four kids, different ways of, you know, learning, communicating. And three dogs too, they communicate different too. Yeah, so like someone I might be able to, you know, text and they reply to me. The other one, I might need a face-to-face conversation. But when you say it's to shorten people's learning curves, I know one thing I tend to do and I catch myself in it is I go on and on to try to get my point across because I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, you're not getting it. You're not responding to me. I don't know when to stop sometimes. (laughs) So do you just have to kind of read people and know that you know, they're going to get it on their own term and then follow up with what you said, like those resources, people to reach back out once it's kind of sunk in. Yeah. And, and then change it up on them so they don't plateau. Yeah. It's a matter of them and it's like, all right, let's do it now. Yeah. Things like that. The shortening of people's learning curve, that's something I uh, absolutely believe in. So when I was more in the field, my job was the field, right? Let's just say for safety, right? Ted? Yep. Uh, my job was to be the safety person you know, and, and help to be a resource for everybody else. Then when I started getting moved into management, I heard some management advice from different people. And then it didn't exactly, wasn't working out for me because I thought to myself, you know, I don't really care for that management style. Why am I trying it anyway? So then I started delving into books and everything about different kind of management styles, different kind of leadership styles. And I threw myself into that for three years. Got a couple hundred books under my belt, right? And I realized that they all pretty much say the same thing. I could have stopped at three if I had <laughs> But you want um, to double check. But, then, but, then I'm <laughs> but like, you're a lifelong learner. <laughs> so, then, so then I started really pushing into them to try to figure out what's the one thing I can take from this that's different from the rest. And they're all about the same. They're all really, you know, and they're all right. But when it goes to, to that shorting the learning curve, that was my main focus. Because when I started managing people, I told my people flat out, I am now a manager. My job is you. 
Your job is the actual field safety part. I'm talking about just the safety people, not my trainers or educators that I, that I also work with. But I said, and my whole job is to shorten your learning curve, put as much information that I have into you so you can take what I have and build off of it and become better than me. So, I mean, for example, that's so our goals in my, within my group. We'll set goals and we always have the same thing. One one of their goals has to be a group goal for all of us. You know, how to, how to, one of them has to be a, a group, a personal goal, how, what they want to achieve. And then they have to write a third goal and their goal is mine. How, what do I need to do to help them succeed? Hmm. And then my goals are based off of what all of my group tells me I need to help them with. I was just going to say, talking this episode more about communication in the last episode about culture and how to develop that. One thing that I get from you that you think is important is building that trust. Like you said, give give the people ownership so they feel a part of it. To do that, you have to build trust, right? And that takes time and it takes good communication. And that isn't always easy to do, but I think just seeing the importance of it like you do is huge. A big part of trust because um, they're a report. Right. Actually, I've had upper, upper managers ask me, how do I build rapport so fast with certain people? Yeah. And, and I, I tell them flat out, it's like, because first off, I don't I don't lie. I, I don't. It's not because I'm inherently against lying. It's that if you lie, you got to remember it. And it's not that important. <laughs> Just tell the damn truth. Right. You know? I like that. And I'm there to actually generally help people. You know, and they really know that some people don't want to, the ones that don't want to believe it. Of course, that's that's whatever. You know, but if you're genuine genuine with people, you can actually build rapport and trust faster. If you don't have rapport and trust with people, especially different people, you can't give each other any kind of like a 360 evaluation or a feedback loop kind of critiques because there's going to be agendas involved. And I, I explain that to my group uh, that I manage, and and they're all dead honest with each other, and they can call each other out on anything. Mm-hmm. And they openly accept it from each other. Well, we really appreciate you being on for two episodes, too. We could go on and on and talk more, but I think we covered a lot of good things. Culture, communication, I think just the way you express yourself is very, very helpful for our listeners. It will give them definitely more than one takeaway, which is always our goal. Honestly, everything is said and done, if you want a last kind of statement from me on these things, yes, it boils down to accountability. That's the most important. You can do that, the greatest program in the world, but if you don't do what you say and hold people accountable for it, it means nothing. It comes down to that integrity too, right? I mean, that, sure. uh, all, all that together. And I think that's probably what's most important. I, I agree with you, Bill. Well, we want to thank you for being on Ted Speaks today. But as you know, one of my favorite parts of this podcast are coming up. So are you ready for our jokes today? I'm preparing myself. So okay. two, two more for you. So I got a great Chuck Norris joke for you, okay? Because I know you're a Chuck Norris fan, so here you go. Ready? (laughs) Why are there no bridges named after Chuck Norris? Why are there no bridges named after Chuck Norris? Nobody crosses Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that one I actually like. (laughs) All right, I'm a winner. Okay, well, now I have a hard follow-up there. One last one for you here today, Bill. What did the fish say when he hit the wall? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we know we know you you like to fish, so that's why we put that we in there. We didn't say they were good. And we build dams. There. See, we tried to, you know, fit it into the conversation here. So, Bill, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and ask you further on some of these topics that we talked about in these last two episodes, how would they get a hold of you? I could probably use my email or I do have a LinkedIn. LinkedIn, okay. okay. Yeah. That's and usually I, the I'm best. actually, okay, that's the best way to put it. I'll, I'm using it now. Let's put it that way. I've had it for <laughs> a long time. 
And I know a lot of people who work for the government and do a bunch of different things. And, you know, social media can be very interesting, but it is a part of life. Yeah. So I'm not super active, but I'm becoming more active on that just because I should. Yeah. And so is that Bill Olson or is it William Olson on the a LinkedIn? It would, be, it would be William Olson. William Olson on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to get a hold of Bill, uh, has a tremendous amount of knowledge, that's how you can for do sure. that. Go on the LinkedIn. Again, William Olson. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast today and have a super safe day. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 